0: It's always nice to have a deadline with a project, isn't it? That way there's a hard and fast date. You can't just put things off forever. A deadline is important. It saves those of us who like to procrastinate. Noah had a deadline. You heard it this way. 120 years. Now that's a far off deadline, isn't it? That's the kind of deadline that if I ever got that I would think, well, that's beyond my lifetime. 120 years though. Sin that was born in Eden had grown up, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a pretty child. It wasn't handsome. As men multiplied, Genesis shows us that sin multiplied. So you remember how it started with the eating of the fruit, and then Cain kills his brother Abel, and by the time we get down to Noah, you heard how God's word describes the world. Full of violence, wicked, corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. Every intention of man's heart, only evil, continually, all the time. And so God gave a judgment. One hundred twenty years. I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man, animals, creeping things, birds of the heavens. For I am sorry. I am grieved to the heart that I have made them. Pretty hopeless, doesn't it sound? Pretty bleak corruption, wickedness, violence everywhere, evil on everyone's minds, evil in everyone's hearts, evil in the world all around. Does it sound a bit familiar? Pretty bleak, wouldn't you agree? All seemed lost even the faithful sons of god that's what it means when it says the sons of god the descendants of seth the faithful ones had taken for themselves the wives of man that means the wives of the daughters of cain seems that in those days they didn't really care if their wives were christian or not all they cared about is if they were pretty or not and so even though it meant hostility to the lord the sons of seth took the daughters of man. And you know what happens when you marry a girl? She kind of influences you, right? And so it wasn't long until the sons of God became just like the sons of man. It wasn't long until the line of Seth became just like the line of Cain. All seemed lost, but not all was lost. Things may seem to be bleak and dark and awful and terrible, but there was still hope. One man, Noah, Noah, who found favor in God's sight, one out of a multitude who feared the Lord, and this one was not forgotten. He was given a project, and he was given a deadline. 120 years, Noah, make for yourself an ark. Make, God said. Big project, big undertaking, make for yourself an ark out of gopher wood. Now that word, ark, is an important word. When we hear it, we immediately think of a big giant boat, right? Especially if you've been over to the eastern part of our state and you've seen the replica of the ark, immediately you think of a boat. But the word ark is kind of a unique word. This little word is only used in one other place in the Bible. It's used when uh, Moses' mother makes him a little ark. Remember the story? Pharaoh wants to kill all the Hebrew sons by throwing them into the Nile River, and so Moses' mother builds him a little basket to keep him afloat. The Hebrew word is teba, a teba. Make for yourself a teba. And that comes into English for us as ark because the Latin word is archere, which means to enclose. The ark was an enclosure. That fits, doesn't it? Moses was enclosed in that little basket. The ark of the covenant, if you remember, enclosed the Ten Commandments and the manna and the budding staff of Aaron. Lots of things might be considered arks that way. There's lots of enclosures. This building is an ark. It is an enclosure. And your body, too, for that matter, might be considered an enclosure for your soul. Point being, an ark is more than just a big boat. Now, that little Hebrew word, teba, in ark, is related to an Egyptian word that means coffin. And isn't that a fitting connection? Make for yourself an enclosure, Noah. Make for yourself a coffin, because everything is about to die. Of course, we don't think of it that way because we know that what's inside the ark stays alive. So it doesn't fit to call it a coffin until you consider what's happening in the flood. The whole world is coming under judgment. The whole world is coming under death. And so God says to Noah, make a coffin that I will raise up. Make a coffin that I will bring life out of once this is all over. Make for yourself a little enclosed coffin, Noah in which I can bury you, in which I can bury my creation, and from that coffin, I will cause life to come up. It's odd to consider the ark a coffin, but it is fitting, isn't it? There's a hint in that little word, teba, a little coffin, about what is all going on. The whole creation is coming under God's judgment of death, and yet he encloses, he arcs a portion of his world so that he can raise it up. Make it out of gopher wood, God says. Make it 300 by 50 by 30 cubits and make rooms in it, Noah. Kind of a strange thing for a coffin, don't you think? To have rooms and a window and a door. What is this that Moses is making? It sounds a lot more like a house than a boat. Here again, you can see that the ark is more than just building a big boat. It is a house, for the living. It is a floating coffin that God will raise the dead from. It is a floating house. God gives this blueprint to Noah, just as he will give Moses the blueprint for the tabernacle and David the blueprint for the temple. And he tells Noah to follow the plan. 120 years of work. That's a lot of work, isn't it? Any of you want to work for 120 years? No. Some of you are retired. You're shaking your heads. You're saying, "My working years are behind me, Pastor. I got to my 35 or 40 or whatever the pension calls for, and then I quit." Moses, Mos- Noah, not Moses. Noah had 120 years. Think of that—a lifetime, a multiple generation of lifetime. Think of all the blood, all the sweat, all the tears. Think of all the money. Think of all the life force, all the energy, all the power. It wasn't cheap to get labor. There was a lot of wood. There was a lot of gopher wood. You don't get a 450-foot-long coffin house boat thing done just by yourself, do you? There probably would have been a lot of tools. There was a pattern given by God to Noah, but there was a lot that Noah would have had to figure out for himself. I'm sure there were many sleepless nights. I'm sure there were many times when Noah threw his hands up in the air and said, what's the point of all of this? Should we really keep going? Should we really keep building? Is it really worth it all? After all, this whole place is doomed. What's the point? There was a pattern. There was a blueprint. But not everything was spelled out. And I'm sure not everything went smoothly. Have you ever tried to build something with your sons? They don't always do what their dad wants them to do. And I'm sure that all of the contractors and the subcontractors weren't up quite to the union code. It was hard work, is the point. And while Noah was doing all of that, no one was patting him on the back saying, Good job, buddy. You're really working hard. I can see you're doing good things. I'm so proud of you, Noah. No, instead, everyone looked at Noah and said, What a waste. What a waste. He's building a coffin. He's building a death box. The account of Noah's Ark is not about cute animals and nice little boats. It is about man's wickedness and God's judgment. And it is about God's grace. It is about what it looks like for God to deal with sin and what it looks like for God to save sinners. It is about what looks like a waste of time and a coffin to the world being the source of everlasting salvation in God's sight. It is about a faithful man and his family enduring all kinds of scorn and mockery and derision and a sinful world doomed to die. It is about a holy and just God whose heart is grieved by sin, but who will not sit idly by and let his creation waste away. It is about a building project to save the world, a building project that the world wants nothing to do with. What's Noah doing building that big wooden box Why is he wasting all of his time and his power and his mental efforts and energies on that weird project? Why is he stockpiling food and seeds? Why does he care so much about all these animals? And why, oh why, does he really think there's going to be a flood? What the world didn't recognize, what the world wouldn't recognize, was that building project that would save life, that would pass through God's judgment of wrath enclosed in his gracious favor. What the world did not recognize, what the world would not recognize, Noah gave himself to see through. Would you have joined him, do you think? Would you have joined in with Noah or would you, laugh, would you have laughed at him? Would we have all seen him building this coffin box house thing and thought, wow, that's a project I want to sign up for? Here's my resume, Noah. Let me help you. Let me build with you. Let me use my energy. Let me use my power. Let me use my abilities to help you build this ark. Or would we have just gone on with our lives? Too busy to care about doom, too busy to care about sin, too busy to really care about wickedness. Oh yeah, it happens out there, but as long as it doesn't really affect me, no big deal, right? Would we have joined in with Noah? It's an interesting thought experiment to imagine yourself back in Noah's day, isn't it? But this isn't really a hypothetical question for you. Sure, we haven't been given a command to build an ark out of gopher wood, thank God you can't find that kind of wood anymore, but what has Jesus given us? Hasn't he given us a command to make something? Isn't he still in the business of creating an enclosure, an ark, to save the world from doom and destruction and judgment? or is that just something that used to happen? Does God still look down at our world and see the thoughts of man's heart sinning continuously? Does he care about that anymore? Absolutely. See, in our time, it is even better than it was back in Noah's day. We don't have Noah building an ark in the middle of nowhere, but we do have Jesus building his church. There is a man who walked with God. There is a man who was sent by God. There is a man who brings God's gracious favor and who is busy building an ark in this world. And what's more, he calls you. He calls out to each of you to come into the ark, to use your energy, your power, your abilities, your all to further the building of that ark. Do you know what I'm talking about? Make. Jesus says to his disciples, make disciples of all nations. Make for yourselves a holy Christian church, not out of gopher wood, but out of human souls. And cover them inside and out, not with pitch and with tar, but cover them with the blood of the Lamb. Cover them with the Holy Spirit. Cover them so that they may endure the judgment of the Father. We have a better building project than an ark out of gopher wood. We have the project of the Holy Christian Church. And make no mistake, what looks to be of no importance to the world matters far more than you could believe. I don't just mean the building. Of course, the building matters. But I mean the people who are brought into this place, the people who are brought into faith in Jesus Christ. That is the project that Jesus is still busy building in our world. He hasn't told us the deadline. He hasn't told us the final day. In fact, he's explicitly said, No one knows. But he has called each of you to build the ark with him. He has called each of you to use your powers and your abilities and all that he has given you to build an ark. And while the world might look at that and say, what a waste of time. Why do they care so much about what a book says? Why do they care so much about what Jesus says? Well, you know the truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And his words, his building project will endure to everlasting life. And here's the other wonderful thing about the ark that Jesus is building. There is always more room. Noah had a capacity, right? There was only so many animals. There were only so many people that could fit in a 450-foot-long boat. But there is always room in the church, isn't there? There is always room for another sinner who needs salvation. There is always room for another dying man who needs to know the hope of everlasting life. There is always room for you and for your children and for all whom the Lord will call to come into his ark and find in that ark not death, not a coffin, but everlasting life. So build, dear friends, build, build, and don't grow weary, for in the Lord your labor is never in vain. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.